Our scripture today comes from the Old Testament. Remember that the Old Testament was the Bible Jesus read, studied, and taught from. A modern theologian, Walter Brueggemann, says that the story I'm about to read today is one of the most crucial texts for our faith in the entire Old Testament. We cannot overestimate the importance of this text, not only for King David and Israel, but for all of mankind, including us. Let us hear God's word from 2 Samuel chapter 7. When the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I am living in a cedar palace, but God's chest is housed in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you are thinking, because the Lord is with you. That very night, the Lord's word came to Nathan. Go to my servant David and tell him, This is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build the temple for me to live in. In fact, I haven't lived in a temple from the day I brought Israel out of Egypt until now. Instead, I've been traveling around in a tent and in a dwelling. Throughout my traveling around with the Israelites, did I ever ask any of Israel's tribal leaders I appointed to shepherd my people, why haven't you built me a cedar temple? So then say this to my servant David. This is what the Lord of heavenly forces says. I took you from the pasture, from following the flock, to be leader over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've eliminated all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great, like the name of the greatest people on earth. I'm going to provide a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and no longer be disturbed. Cruel people will no longer trouble them as they had been earlier when I appointed leaders over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. And the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a dynasty for you. When the time comes for you to die and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your descendants, one of your very own children, to succeed you, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a temple for my name, and I will establish his royal throne forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. This is the word of the Lord. Now, most of us are familiar with parts of David's life. We all know about David and Goliath. The majority of us probably know that David wrote a large number of the Psalms we find in the Bible book by that name. Some of us are familiar with other parts of David's story. Picked by Samuel, even though he is the runt of Jesse's family. Being invited to be part of Saul's court. Becoming like a brother to Saul's son, Jonathan. And marrying Saul's beautiful daughter, Michael. We also recall that David then found himself running and hiding from King Saul as Saul fell into a selfish, driven madness. But David prevailed, and he became the king of all Israel. So at this point in David's story, 2 Samuel 7, 
things are going pretty good for David. He has defeated the Philistines. He's consolidated his country, bringing north and south together. And he's established a new capital city for the country in Jerusalem. And as Will read from chapter 6 last Sunday, David has just brought the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem with much singing, dancing, and celebration. And in the top of it all off, a neighboring king has supplied David with the materials and skilled workers to build a palace made of cedar, a home fit for king. Because David is a king. But unlike most ancient kings, David is a good king. Remember, David is a man after God's own heart. David is obedient to God. David uses his position as king to lead the way of a nation in true worship. But like Will also talked about last week, as God's children, we are all works in progress. And in this passage, we see something that tells us David's role as the leader of God's chosen people is still a work in progress. You have to remember that it's only about six miles from Bethlehem, where David grew up as a poor shepherd boy, to Jerusalem, where he is now the undisputed king of Israel and living in a palace of finest cedar. It's only six miles. But it took David 20 or so very hard years to make that trip. But he persevered. He persevered through prayer and seeking God's direction for his life. And after all those years of poverty, of trial and uncertainty, danger and hate, he's arrived safe and sound. He's arrived with a sense of God's many blessings on him having been confirmed. God's promises to David in his prayers have been validated and they've come true. He has a beautiful home, peace and security. He can finally rest, catch his breath, and enjoy being the king. So it sounds pretty natural to us that David wanted to do something for God. God's been so good to David, turn about fair play. Plus, David can look out the windows of his great palace and he sees the Ark of the Covenant sitting in an old tent. The Ark of God has been housed in a tent since the Israelites were camped out at the base of Mount Sinai. That's over 500 years before this. And all that time it traveled around with the Israelites in a tent. Didn't it deserve a place as nice as David's palace. David told Nathan what he wanted to do, build a home for God to put his ark there. Now, see, Nathan was David's spiritual advisor, kind of like his pastor, and Nathan thought it was a great idea. I imagine Nathan is kind of like our modern-day pastors. He spent a lot of his time listening to people who needed something from God. Now, before you get too riled up at me for saying we're just looking for something from God, think about your prayers. How much of your prayer life is spent approaching God for his help? There's nothing wrong with that. Asking God for help in time of need 
is our most basic and honest stance before God. We will never have any area of our life that is self-sufficient and doesn't need God's help. Isaac Singer, a master storyteller of Yiddish stories, once said, I pray only when I am in trouble. But I am in trouble all the time, so I pray all the time. Throughout the Bible, we are encouraged to come to God with our needs. God is generous. God never runs out of blessings. God loves to give. Jesus taught us to ask God. Consider the Lord's Prayer that we just prayed this morning. The prayer that Jesus taught us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us daily bread, forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Six petitions to God. There's not a single thank you in the prayer. So now that I've cleared up any misunderstanding of what I just said, let me tell this part of the story again. David told Nathan what he wanted to do, and Nathan thought it was a great idea. King David isn't asking for something from God. He wants to do something God. So naturally, Nathan says, Amen, David, build that temple. But David and Nathan forgot one of the most important ingredients in David's successful journey to get to the throne in Jerusalem. Prayer. David and Nathan didn't pray about this. But that night, when the passion of the moment is past, And Nathan is in quiet contemplation, prayer if you will. God gives Nathan pause. This was one of those times when a grand human plan to do something good was, after a night's prayer, seen as a huge human distraction from what God is doing for us. And that's what Nathan realized that night. God showed Nathan that David's building plan for God would interfere with God's building plan for David and the nation. So Nathan goes back to David in the morning and withdraws the building permit. In essence, putting this story in our modern vernacular, here is what Nathan told David the next day. David... Here is what God says about your plan. You want to build me a house. Forget it. I am building the house. In fact, I am building a kingdom. What I am shaping here isn't what you do for me, but what I do through you. I'm not going to let you confuse things by launching into some project of your own where you fill Jerusalem with the sound of hammers and chisels, workmen shouting, donkeys braying. Before long, everyone is caught up in what you are doing and not attentive to what I am doing. We're dealing with a kingdom here, David, and I, the Lord Almighty, am the building contractor. I've done just fine for hundreds of years without a permanent home. What gives you the idea that I need or want a grand temple? If there's any building to be done, I'm going to do it. 
Remember, David, I've been working with you, watching over you, protecting you, directing you since you were a scrawny little shepherd boy. I've had plans for you. That's why you're here in this place now, to give visibility and representation to what I am doing, the kingdom I am building, which is a kingdom of salvation and justice and peace. There will come a time, David, when it is time to build a temple to me. In fact, it will be your son who I will direct to do that. But now isn't the time. First, we have to get the concept of my sovereignty, my kingship, into people's thoughts and imaginations. David, you are to be a witness to the kingdom I am building. First things first. This message that Nathan delivers to David is dominated by a recital of what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. God is the first person subject of 23 verbs in this message. And all these verbs carry the action. David, full of what he was going to do for God, is now subjected to a comprehensive rehearsal of what God has done, is doing, and will do for and in David. What looked yesterday like a bold Davidic enterprise on behalf of God now looks picayune or petty. God tells David, no. But then God says, David, I love you so much that I'm going to build a house for you. Not just some temporary structure like this cedar palace, but an eternal house that will never pass away. This passage is what is known by theologians as the Davidic Covenant. If you open your hymnal back to our act of praise for today, it's at 807 in the hymnal. That act of praise is from Psalm 89. If you read all of Psalm 89, it reiterates the pledge of God in 2 Samuel 7. Today we sang the second response. But the first response is the response we use at Advent. From Jesse's root, a branch will grow. God's covenant shall be fulfilled. Still on the surface, we don't see anything that tells us that what David wanted to do was wrong. I mean, how could wanting to do something for God be wrong? But I think if you look closer, there are clues. I like the way Eugene Peterson describes what is going on in David's life. He's the translator of the Message Bible. Eugene Peterson writes, I think David is just about to cross a line from being full of God to being full of himself. Outwardly, everything is the same, but David, riding the crest of, of acclaim, having decisively defeated the opposition, united God's people and captured the allegiance of all Israel and Judah, heady with success, is going to do God a favor. David is now housed better than God. David has achieved a better standard of living than God. 
And so from David's position of strength, he can now do something significant for God. God's not saying David is being sinful. God is simply redirecting David's plan so that it would be in accordance with God's purpose for him. It's a focus on God and not on David. God says, you're a shepherd, David. That's why I called you. That's what I saw in you. That's what I want you to be doing. You're not a builder of buildings. You're a herder of sheep. You care for them. You go after them. You have a heart for them. That's who you are. That's where I found you. That's why I called you. There's no inference here that the temple should never be built. It's true. God didn't allow David to build the Lord's temple. But we found out we find out elsewhere in the Bible that he was allowed to make preparations for the fulfillment of his dream. In 1 Chronicles, we read that David prepared all the materials necessary for construction of the building. David gave his son Solomon the plans and the instructions necessary to build the temple. So in the end, David was still a part of seeing the dream accomplished. It did not happen as David planned it, but he still got to be a part of God's plan. David's plan was good and noble, but God's plan was bigger and better and focused on God. See, God's greater purpose in the plan for David's life involved the Savior of the world. The temple that Solomon built, it's been gone for thousands of years. But Jesus is still here, and Jesus is still on the throne. Nathan's message to David is a reminder that God's larger purpose isn't always tied to our particular dreams. Sometimes, we try to make, thing happen, make things happen that seem right, but they don't reflect God's priorities. We fail to seek direction from God through prayer. When we don't seek prayerful direction, we get too bound up in the present and fail to realize that with us, as with David, God's purposes for our lives reach into eternity. This portion of chapter 7 gives us a beautiful picture of God inverting the proposal. David had a dream of something big he wanted to do for God, but his dream focused on David. God had a much larger plan of something he wanted to do for and through David, and that plan focused on God. And right in the middle of the picture is Nathan seeking God's will through prayer. Verse 4 says, But that very night, the Lord's word came to Nathan. Sometimes we will not see our dreams fulfilled until we are willing to let them go. By being willing to seek God's plan as our own. And we do that through prayer. When that happens, we get to see all our dreams come true. A poem entitled Treasures by Martha Nicholson sums it up best. One by one he took them from me, all the things I valued most. 
until I was empty-handed, every glistening toy was lost. And I walked earth's highway grieving in my rags and poverty till I heard his voice inviting, lift those empty hands to me. So I held my hands toward heaven and he filled them with a store of his transcendent riches till they could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my stupid mind and dull that God could not pour his riches into hands already full. Amen.